Thanks. All right, if you have your Bibles, chapter 2 in Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, verses uh, 5 through 11. And uh, if you don't have your Bible, that's okay. We're going to have it on the screen for you this morning. And it's great to have our kids in the service with us this morning. Amen. They're doing a great job so far. Let's give our kids a hand. Uh, they're doing fantastic. Even after all of the sugar that we poured into them last night, uh, they are doing fantastic. Of course, they might just be in crash mode this morning. I'm not sure, but we uh, are certainly glad that they are here. We believe our children ought to worship with the big people every once in a while, and, and maybe they can learn from us, and maybe we can draw some energy from them, and it's just a good thing when our kids are with us. So welcome, kids. Um, I heard a story a little while back about a man whose grandchildren played a practical joke on him, and kids don't get any ideas what I'm about to tell you, but they played a practical joke on him, and each afternoon, Grandpa would lie down and take a nap in the recliner, and one day, the kids decided to put Limburger cheese in his mustache while he was asleep. Now, kids, you don't know what Limburger cheese is, maybe, but it's really, really stinky, smelly cheese, okay? And so they put it in his mustache, and not long afterwards, he woke up and he starts sniffing. He said, this room stinks, right? And so he got up out of the recliner, and he left the living room, and he went in, into the kitchen, and he went, this, this room stinks too. And then he decided to walk outside for a breath of fresh air, and much to Grandpa's surprise, outside stunk as well. And he said, the whole world stinks. And the truth is, it was Grandpa who stunk, and the problem was right under his nose. Now, I got to confess sometimes that I don't always have the best attitude. I'm like that sometimes. And I walk around sometimes and I think, well, this, this person, this, this attitude stinks or that situation stinks. And 99 times out of 100, it has nothing to do with that person or that situation. It has to do with something that's right under my nose. Better yet, right behind my nose, the way I think. And it's my brain that just does stinking thinking sometimes. Is anybody with me? And so when you have days like that, I would venture to say most of the time when you're just looking around and nothing seems to go right and you just got a bad attitude maybe about everything that's going on, Maybe, just maybe, the problem might be you. The problem might be me. Looking recently at, at the life of, of Jesus and the attitude that Jesus had about so many different things, and I realized that my attitude, a lot of times, on a lot of days, is nothing like his. And I'm convinced that if, if I could just tap into his attitude more often, if I could just emulate his attitude in my own life, then, then maybe some of the things that I think are just so stinky really aren't all of that bad. I, all that bad. I would think that the world maybe or that people stink a little less often. You might be thinking, well, that's great. That's wonderful. What, what are you talking about? What's the attitude of Christ? What can I do in order to emulate that? Well, thankfully, we don't have to speculate. It, the Apostle Paul talked about it in the book of Philippians. It's in chapter 2. Verses 5 through 11. If you have your Bibles, again, let's read that uh, together. If not, you can read from the screen. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Philippi in chapter 2, beginning in verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset 
as Christ Jesus, or that could be translated, have the same attitude as Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of being made in human likeness and being found in, in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So not just any kind of death, but the worst death that was imaginable during that particular time. And even during this particular time, it's a pretty bad way to go. And then it says in verse 9, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, Here's, here's the deal. Here's the first thing that I think we need to do if we want to have the attitude of Jesus, if we want to do what we can do to um, be as much like Jesus as possible, and then maybe not only think that the world around us and people around us are all that bad, but maybe we might improve ourselves a little bit as well. So here's the first thing that we see in this passage of Scripture is that Jesus had an attitude of humility. It's no secret that when we look around in our society today, humility is a lost characteristic or it's a lost art. All you have to do is, is uh, look, watch a television show, especially watch sports. All you got to do is watch sports and you see the, the arrogance and, and the lack of humility that we see in a lot of athletes today. And it's just, I mean, it makes you want to uh, sometimes uh, tur turn the television off and not even pay any attention to what's going on. There, But we need this attitude of humility more often. And when we see somebody who has a very humble spirit, they stand out in stark contrast to the rest of the world. Would you agree with that? When you see somebody that is just humble, that is just kind, that is just soft-spoken, and it's not about them. When I think of this characteristic, my mind automatically, and some of you are already there with me, goes back to Dave Armstrong. And a lot of you don't know Dave Armstrong, but a lot of you do. And when I think of a humble man, when I think of someone who practiced the Christ-like characteristic of humility, it was Dave Armstrong. And when we see someone like that, they stand out in stark contrast to everybody around them. I remember when I preached at my first church in Stringtown, Kentucky. Anybody been to Stringtown? You have? One person. All right. Very good. On purpose? No? Okay, didn't think so. You got lost. You just didn't know you were in Stringtown. Yeah. Um, I preached in Stringtown, the very first church I ever had. It was in Grant County, Kentucky, not far from where they, where they uh, built the Ark Encounter. Uh, it's in that same county, actually. We had an elder there. His name was Bob Barnes. He wanted us to call him Briarhopper Bob. That was his nickname. And he would pray at the end of the service often, and he would say, Lord, keep us safe and keep us humble. Now, I don't know how many of you in your prayer life, you pray that the Lord would keep you humble. That's, that's a very dangerous prayer to pray because some of the things that God often uses to keep us humble are not pleasant. The things that come into our lives to keep us humble, they are sometimes very troublesome. But let me tell you something. If you are striving for an attitude of Christ, if you are striving to be as much like him as possible, if you really want to develop this characteristic of humility in your life, 
then that's a prayer that you need to be praying. It's been so ingrained into our minds by society to be a self-made man, to be a self-made woman, that we have this tendency to build ourselves up and think that it's all because of us that we've done anything. It's all because of us that we have anything. And it's amazing to me that the people who will take credit for being successful always think it's somebody else's fault when they're not successful. Does anybody know anybody like that? Right? I want to read a passage for you that I believe can help you um, with this type of Christ-like uh, attitude of humility. It's in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. Here's, here's what Jesus said. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I want you to picture in your mind for just a moment a yoke that was used uh, back in the old days to attach two farm animals together, be two horses or two oxen. Better yet, let's throw a picture up there on the screen. Uh, if you don't mind, let's put that, that scripture of a yoke that was used to attach two farm animals, oxen, horse, whatever, a device that was placed on them to help plow through the ground during the planting season. And you notice that there's a place for two animals. And I like this analogy that Jesus is using. He says in Matthew eleven twenty nine, take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It's like Jesus is saying to us, hey, li listen to me. Guys, we're a team. Okay? You made me the Lord and the Savior of your life. We, we immediately teamed up. You are hooked up with me, and I'm never, ever going to leave you. And everything that we have to do, understand, I'm going to be right there side by side with you. Everything that you face in this life, I am right there hooked with you. And to me, that's a wonderful feeling to know that I am linked to Jesus forever because of what he did at Calvary. And so, but whatever I face in this life, I'm not doing it alone because we are, we're yoked together. And folks, when we're walking side by side with Jesus, we can't help but have an attitude of humility. We can't help but learn to be gentle. You can't help but find rest and peace for your souls. Here's the problem. The problem is many Christians are not walking closely enough to Jesus. They're so far away from him that they don't see the Christ-like humility that he brings into our lives. And Jesus said, no, I want to be yoked closely to you. I want to be tied to you so that whatever you face in this life, you're going to know how to handle it in the most humble way that you possibly can. Listen to me, folks. You need to know this. The very one, and, and I know you know it, but you need to hear it again. The very one who created everything that there is in the universe is helping to carry the load for you. The very one who spoke the universe into existence is helping to carry your load. And so you don't have to be burdened by the things that the world is throwing at you. And you don't have to be burdened by situations that arise. I like what the Barnes notes on the Bible has to say about this passage of Scripture. He says that, Jesus left a state of inexpressible glory and took upon him the most humble form of humanity and performed the most lowly offices that he might benefit us. So what he's saying is Jesus left all of that in heaven. And he became the very essence of humility. He put himself to the side. He left all the praises of heaven, 
the adoration of the angels, perfect fellowship with the Father. He left all of that to come down here to take on human flesh and humble himself to place his glory to the side so that he could come and benefit us. When was the last time we did something like that for someone else? When we have that kind of Christ-like attitude, when we're willing to put ourselves to the side, when we're ready to have that kind of humility that helps keep our attitudes in check, and we have this humble attitude, and we don't have a critical spirit, and we don't have negative words to say about other brothers and Christians, and we don't possess a condemning attitude or judgmental mindset about other people, then we are exemplifying the attitude of Jesus Christ. And I think the church needs more of that, and I think our world needs more of that. Our attitude should be the same as Jesus Christ. Should be an attitude of humility. And that attitude of humility will naturally lead to the next Christ-like attitude. And that is, Jesus had an attitude of service. If we're humble and we want to serve others, a person who has a prideful attitude is not going to want to do that. You know, A person who has a prideful attitude who's not willing, willing to humble themselves, they're not going to serve anybody else because they think the world owes them something or, or that person ought to be serving me. That person ought to be giving something to me. But a person who has a humble attitude will all, also have this attitude of service. It's really, I don't know if you can separate the two or not. If you're really a humble person, person in Jesus. I don't know if you can separate service from that. Look at John chapter 13 verses 12 through 17 with me. Here's, here's a very familiar story with us that I think is one of the greatest examples of humility and service that we see ever. Um, John chapter 13 verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now, I don't... I don't necessarily think, even though some churches practice this and it's okay, but I don't necessarily think that Jesus meant that we had to literally wash each other's feet. I think it's a good example to do that. I think that's fine if you want to do that. It's not a mandate that we have to, right? And today, really, honestly, if we're washing another person's feet, it's not as big a deal as it was back in Jesus' day because we have shoes and our, our roads, our streets aren't dusty like like they were back in Jesus' day. Uh, and so we don't have the stinky, nasty, dirty feet like they had back then, unless, of course, you coach junior high boys basketball. And we ran into that a few times uh, in the locker rooms. Is anybody, anybody got junior high boys? Ooh, that's a whole nother level. But anyway, that, there's just something about them that's not natural. Amen? The feet. The boys are fine. Boys are great. The feet, that's a whole nother critter. Anyway, back to the sermon. The whole point is not necessarily washing someone's feet. The point is being willing to do something to humble and serve someone. The point is the very one that we read in Scripture who should have been served by these other people were the one who served them. We have to consider others better than ourselves and put ourselves in 
option to serve. And we can't be choosy about who we're serving. I think a lot of times we like to serve the clean people, the well-to-do people, the pretty people, the smart people, the people who have their act all together, or the people who can do something for us in return. We've got to learn to serve all people. In fact, we need to sometimes forget about those people who are clean and pretty and smart and have their act together. We need to forget about them a little bit and focus on the ones who need it more. The ones, maybe the single moms, maybe, maybe some, someone who, who doesn't know where their next meal is coming from, maybe someone who is trapped in some type of an addiction. And we need to humble ourselves and say, listen, because, because of what Jesus did for me, I am obligated to go and serve. Frequently, we as Christians, the problem is we can't get ourselves out of the way long enough to see the needs of other people, let alone, let alone serve them. I read an interesting quote the other day, and I'm not sure who even said it, but I like what it said. They said, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is self. And I think I have to agree with that. Jesus completely put self out of the way. He wasn't even in the picture. And everyone with whom he came into contact, he loved them. He humbled himself. He served them. Look at how he treated his disciples in this passage of Scripture just a moment ago. And really, this passage of Scripture could be a whole sermon in itself. Look at what he did. He got up from the meal. So the very first thing that he did, imagine this. Jesus is having this meal. He's comfortable. He's eating dinner. Everything's going well. But then all of a sudden, he decides he needs to do something to illustrate how we need to serve one another. And he, he leaves his comfort zone. He leaves his place of comfort. And we need to do that. You know, I'm sure he's having a, a, a great time just relaxing, enjoying the company of his, fellow's disciple, uh, of his fellow disciples, but he, he gave up um, his comfort, and he got up, and he did something that maybe he, I don't know if he really wanted to do it or not. Have you ever been there? You know, it, you, know you need to do something, but you, you, you don't really want to do it. And Jesus knew that what he was about to do was going to benefit those that were around him. When was the last time you got out of your comfort zone and served someone else? Then we read that he took off the outer clothing in order to serve others. Now, that's not the example that you need to do there. The example here is he was willing to lay something aside. Okay, And sometimes we've got to lay something aside in order to serve someone else. We might not feel like going to help Someone who needs it because we'd rather be doing something else. We'd rather be sitting in our recliner watching the ball game. We'd rather be fishing. We'd rather be golfing. We'd rather just have some time. We'd rather be shopping, whatever the case may be. But if we're going to be a servant of Jesus Christ, then there are times when we've got to be willing to deny ourselves something that we enjoy and take our energy and our time to serve other people. And then it says... He wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that, he poured water into a basin. And so Jesus was making these preparations to meet a need. And I think that's the next thing that we need to do is make preparations. We need to be ready to meet the needs of people. 
Sometimes there are preparations that we need to make in order to meet these people's needs. And, and this is one of the things that I think that, you know, we, we had a, a staff retreat the other day um, where we spent the whole day just making plans of for next year and some of the ministries and different things that we want to be doing and, and, and making preparations to try to meet people's needs. This is something we need to do a better job of as Christians. It's something we need to do a better job of in the church. And we have to prepare ourselves to meet the needs of other people. And that's why I think that, that our building expansion is a great idea. I think it's absolutely mandatory that this happens because we need to make preparations to meet the needs of families. We need to make preparations to meet the needs of children. And then we read he got started. And I'm not sure why it's this way, but we have really, 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 really good intentions. We have great ideas. And I'm not sure why, but oftentimes getting started is the hardest part. Can anybody relate to me on this, right? It's the hardest part of the whole service attitude. At some point, we've got to get started. We can't just think about it. We can't just pray about it. We can't just prepare for it. At some point, you got to. And it's been my experience down through the years that oftentimes we talk a good game. We say, man, I, you know, I need to do this, or I got to do this. This is a good idea to do this. And the sad reality is much of the time we never get around to actually doing it. Jesus saw the need. He got up, and he got busy. How many of you are old enough to remember the 70s? Yeah? All right. I do. I mean, vaguely. I was developing eyebrows at that point. You know, I wasn't really, really old, just a little guy in the 70s. But I remember a church that we went to when I was little, and they were passing out these things called round tuits. Do you remember the round tuits? It looked something like this, right? And people would carry around these like 50-cent piece-sized uh, wooden tuits, and the, you're, you're thinking, what in the world is he talking about? So here's, here's what would happen. Someone would say, hey, I'm going to... I'm going to do this when I get around to it, right? And so what you would do when someone would say, yeah, I'm going to do it when I get around to it, you'd pull one out of your pocket and go, well, here's a round to it. Get busy. Do we need to go back to that? I don't think so either, but here's the deal, right? We've got to get busy. We talk a good game. Oh, this needs to be done. We've got to do that. Got to be humble, got to serve, I know that. But there comes a point in time where the rubber meets the road and you just got to go. You got to get after it. If we're going to have the attitude of Christ, we have to be humble and we have to make preparations and we have to, we have to get busy. And then the third thing is this. Jesus had this attitude of forgiveness. Look at Matthew 18, beginning in verse 21. Matthew 18, beginning in verse 21, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. And the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. 
But then the servant went out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins and he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison, which is something that you could do back in those days. Went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had the same mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back what he owed. And then here's the kicker. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you. Unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now when I look at these attitudes of Jesus, it seems as though both the attitude of service and the attitude of forgiveness both hinge upon this attitude of humility. In order to serve someone, you've got to humble yourself. In order to forgive someone, you've got to humble yourself. And you have to come to the point where, listen, the wrong they've committed against me um, really is not all that different than the wrong I've committed against God. And God has forgiven me of so much. How can I not forgive this person who has done this to me? And so I think the point of this is you humble yourself before Almighty God. Understand that everything that he has forgiven you of, is, it's not just forgiven, it's forgotten about. It's Your slate is wiped clean, and then you extend that forgiveness to someone who has wronged you. And you say, well, you know what? Jesus said, uh, no, 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 not seven times, 77 times. So, man, I'll forgive him the first 77 times, but 78, they're, they're toast, right? That's not what he's saying. He's saying it, it's really, some translations even say 70 times, seven times. Okay, so you got to forgive him 490, 491, they're out. No, Jesus is saying, listen, you just keep forgiving and forgiving and forgiving because that's what he's done for us. And I'm not going to stand up here and say, hey, you just need to get over it. I'm not going to say that because I don't think that's what Jesus expects either. Because sometimes what has been done to us really hurts. I, I would venture to say that most everybody in this room today has been hurt very deeply by someone. If you've got any age on your life at all, you know, some of these little kids maybe hadn't experienced that yet. and Hopefully they never do. But if you're an adult, especially, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to say you've been hurt. I know that you have. Some of you really, really, really bad. Sometimes the words that people say can cut pretty deep. Sometimes the actions that people perform can leave us scratching our heads and thinking, how can anyone be so, how can anyone be so evil? I'm sure you've been there. I'm sure all of us have at one time or another. But I want you to stop and consider just for a moment what our Lord went through. Again, he left heaven. That in and of itself is probably something I'm not sure I'd be willing to do because I'm pretty sure once I get to heaven, I'm going to want to stay there. 
I'm pretty sure I'm not going to want to come back down here <laughs> once I get to heaven. And I'm just a person. This is the Son of God, the creator of the universe, who willingly left perfect fellowship with his Father and the praise of the angels to come down here. Took on human flesh. He started his public ministry, and the religious people couldn't stand him. A lot of people didn't understand him. A lot of people did everything that they could possibly do to completely discredit him. Eventually, he got convicted of crimes that he never committed. He was humiliated, he was beaten, and he was killed. And yet, some of the last words from his lips before he died was, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now, I'm going to take a stab in the dark say, none of y'all have ever been through anything quite like that. Don't get me wrong, some of you have been through some horrible stuff, I'm sure. But nothing like what Jesus went through for us, and even as his life is being taken away from him with one of his very last breaths that he would ever breathe, before he died and is laid in the tomb. He's asking his father to forgive the people who are killing him. And when Paul said in Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. That our attitude should be the same. As that of Christ Jesus. This is part of that attitude. You, you must have an attitude of forgiveness. And I want to urge you today to think about. Pray about who it is that needs your forgiveness. Or maybe who it is you need to go to and say, would you forgive me? Because those words can be very powerful. I forgive you. What's in the past is over. I'm striving to have an attitude that's similar to my Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to humble myself. I want to serve others. And I want to forgive others that need to be forgiven. But it cannot happen outside of Christ. I don't care how hard you try in your own power, in your own humanness. You're never going to be able to do that. You can say you are, but you're never going to be able to do that outside of Christ. I promise you. It all begins when you totally surrender everything to him. And we want to give you the chance to do that. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. And, and if you're here and you've never surrendered your life to Christ, you've never repented of your sins, you've never had his blood cover your sins, and, and you've never been baptized into him, we, we want to give you the chance to do that. If you're here today, you can make your way to the front during this song of decision. Maybe... Uh, maybe you want to talk some more to somebody about it, uh, would you text the word READY to our church connection number? Just type the word READY to our church connection number there on the screen. Maybe you're watching uh, as part of our online community and you're ready to make that decision to, to surrender your life to Christ and be baptized. Um, or maybe, maybe you want to publicly do that. You just want to come forward if you're here today. Maybe you've already done that, but you want to be a part of a church family. 
that uh, is doing their best to have an attitude like Christ. We don't always get it right. In fact, most days we don't, but we're trying. We're trying. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, and we're going to pray. And if you have a need, would you...